Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast with Shay Hoodman, President of God Questions Ministries. Welcome to the Got Questions Podcast. On today's episode, I have with me Greg Steer, the founder and visionary for Dare to Share. We're going to be talking about teenagers. Some I like to joke around that God didn't call me to youth ministry because I don't like teenagers. And while that is definitely not true, um, I do sometimes struggle with relating to teenagers, but Greg definitely does not have that problem. So Greg, welcome to the show today. So glad to be a part of it. For those in our audience who may not be familiar, um, tell us a little about what is Dare to Share? What What is the ministry that God has called you to? So Dare to Share, we started 30 years ago. Uh, I was a pastor in the Denver area and church planner and loved it. But I also just had that itch in my soul to reach teenagers with the gospel and started Dare to Share on the side. And um, after the Columbine High School shooting that took place April 20th, 1999, it just rattled me. I knew a lot of the kids at Columbine High School and decided, you know, it was time to focus full time on mobilizing teenagers for the gospel. So the question that haunted me with Columbine was where were the Christian kids to reach out to the two shooters with the hope of Christ? And what if those shooters had been evangelized? How would that have changed the scenario? And I started thinking, man, there's teenagers all around this nation, all around the world who desperately need the hope of Christ. And the best one to reach a teen is a teen. And just kind of flash back to my childhood. I was raised in a violent inner city family uh, that a preacher from the suburbs reached out to the city, reached my whole family with the gospel of Christ. I mean, the Denver mafia knew my uncles as the crazy brothers. So when the mafia thinks your family's dysfunctional, that's not good, right? And uh, But this preacher reached my whole family for Christ. I got involved in his youth ministry. They had 800 teenagers in his youth ministry. And it wasn't because it was the coolest youth ministry in town. It's because he mobilized teens for the gospel. So that that was put in my soul. What if we could mobilize teenagers all around the world to reach their friends with the gospel of Christ? So for 25 years, we did that through big arena events all across the nation. The last five years, we've been focusing on a simulcast. Uh, so we do one day and can, uh, of training and mobilizing that can be in thousands of churches across the nation. And this this next year around the world, uh, and then developing apps and curriculum and tools and resources and books, all to help teenagers share the gospel and youth leaders and parents train their teenagers to share the gospel. So dare to share. We're like Liam Neeson in Taken. We have a very particular set of skills, and that's to really strengthen the evangelism muscle uh, in the heart of the youth leader uh, and a teenager. So that's what we do. Awesome. So Give us a couple of practical, more concrete ways that Dare to Share is doing. Maybe even what are some new things that Dare to Share has going on? Well, you know, one of the things, actually, it's a Dare to Share Live. I talked about a little bit about it. It's our one-day simulcast. It's November 13th. It's a free event. So you just you get it piped right into your youth room. A mom and dad could lead a Dare to Share Live with their teenagers and a group of their friends right in their living room. There's only three requirements. You have to have internet. You have to have adult leaders. <laughs> to help guide it. And then you have to be willing to do the outreach. It's not a watch party. It's a do party. Uh, November 13th, 9 a.m. West Coast start, noon East Coast start. Simultaneous training from Denver piped in to cities across the nation and now again around the world where we'll get inspired. Teens will be empowered to share the gospel and then they'll be unleashed. 
Another simple way is our app. We have a free app called Life in Six Words, where you download it and a teen can share the gospel via social media, uh, send an audio story that explains the gospel to a friend or face-to-face. And it's a simple, simple way to share the gospel of Christ. Life in Six Words, it's free on your app store. Just download it and watch the tutorial video and start using it. I use it, even though it's for teens, I use it all the time as an adult. I've probably used it a couple hundred times at least. I've never been turned down to engage someone because you ask them, hey, if you were to describe your life in six words, what would they be? And there's 14 words they choose from. Everybody loves to choose their six words. And then you say, tell me why you chose those words. And then you hear their story. People, everybody loves to talk about themselves. Then the words you have in common light up and you're like, well, you know what? I have some words in common. You share your story and then you share the gospel story. And just, if you can swipe and read, you can share the gospel. So free on the app store, life in six words, a simple way for your teens to get started and for you as an adult to get started sharing the gospel. And that's fantastic. And just to let our audience know, we'll have links to the stuff that Greg is talking about both on our podcast page, which is podcast.gotquestions.org and also in the description field on our YouTube channel for this video. So don't feel like you gotta memorize it. We'll, we'll give you all that those links later on. Before we jump into the main question I wanted to ask you today, Greg, um, I noticed you did a one-a-day evangelism thing over the past couple of years. So tell me a little bit more about that and what your experience was in, in doing that. Well, there's this huge movement around the world called Go Movement, where it started in Germany, and basically they said, hey, let's Let's focus on the month of May for evangelism. Uh, and I mean, I think this last May, uh, the last Saturday of May is the big outreach day. I don't know, like 50 million believers took part in it around the world. It's huge globally. So at the beginning of the month, I was I was talking to the one of the leaders. And I go, hey, what if we do one a day in May? And uh, he's like, let's do it. And so he challenged a bunch of people. I challenged a bunch of people. And it was really cool. And I'm still doing it. Um, it's been exciting to pray every day, Lord, give me an opportunity to share Christ. Today, I, I literally walked out of my house. We have new neighbors across the street, and we just started talking. I shared with them about a new book that I'm coming out with, tells my life story. And in that, I was able to share the whole gospel. And it was just really cool. You know, I mean, she didn't trust Christ on the spot, but I mean, it's the beginning of, I mean, they're my neighbors. So it's the beginning of uh, a gospel conversation. And I think when you pray for the lost, Uh, you see the loss. When you pray for opportunities, God opens your eyes to the opportunities that are all around you every day, Mm -hmm. unless you're living in a monastery. And if you are, share Christ with your fellow monks. Mm -hmm. People around you need Jesus. Everybody needs Christ. So um, that's exciting. Um, Something I need to do more of. I mean, I I do internet evangelism all the time. Through got questions that are presented with many opportunities to share the gospel written. But in terms of my daily, daily life, I'm not doing enough in terms of recognizing the opportunities in the real world. So thank you for the reminder that just because I'm doing it in one venue doesn't mean, doesn't exempt me from doing it in other ways and looking for opportunities. Just a simple mm-hmm. way to think about it is even just when you're talking to somebody, hey, you know, COVID's been tough for a lot of people. Is there any way I can be praying for you? Mm-hmm. Right there, you're asking them a question. You're hinting that you're a Christian, pretty yeah. hinting pretty strongly. <laughs> and now they know okay, this, this guy's got a connection with the Lord. And it, I've had so many natural gospel conversations just come from that simple question. How can I, how may I pray for you? Yeah, so fantastic. So Greg, so the question, I, main question I wanted to poke you with today, we get a lot of questions from, from parents, from youth leaders 
asking something along the lines of how do I prevent my teenager who's ready to mm-hmm. go off to college or even in high school who, um, from departing from the faith due to um, their life experience, due to stuff their friends tell them, due to stuff their teachers or professors tell them. So how do you answer that question? What in your experience are the keys to keeping teenagers um, focused on Christ and committed to him? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, our approach has been more information, right? So if we pour enough milk from God's word into the sponge of their minds, then when they go to college, you'll have all the answers that they need. Now, here's the problem with that, that situation. If I pour milk in a sponge and I never wring it out, it rots. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times what happens is we think it's just a more knowledge approach. And we just try to drive this content into their head, but it never reaches their heart and never comes out of their mouth to their peers. So they don't, they become, you know, you've heard the illustration of the Dead Sea versus the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee mm-hmm. is alive and teeming with life. The Dead Sea is dead. I've been in the Dead Sea. I've been in the Sea of Galilee. I tried to walk on water just because I thought it'd be kind of fun. I did not succeed. I got it on film because I'm in youth ministry. That's what we do. Yes. Um, but the Sea of Galilee, I mean, the Dead Sea is dead because it's got an inlet and no outlet. The Sea of Galilee is alive and teeming with life because it's got both an inlet and an outlet. And I think one of the things that we need to do is make sure that we have a outlet for the gospel. I'll give you an example. I, when I was in this youth ministry growing up, man, they, they gave us truth. They gave us knowledge. They gave us theology. They gave us worldview. We've got apologetics. But we had it in the context of mission. So every Friday night, we'd go out and do Friday night soul winning, you know, as old independent fundamentalist church. But we'd go share the gospel. And I want to tell you this. I did that from the time I was about 11 or 12 to the time till I graduated from high school. By the time I was 15, I knew. I mean, I was ready for the philosophy 101 prof at any university because I've already had 50 conversations with people that would ask the same questions. Not only that, but I knew what it meant to depend on God because I was terrified to share the gospel. So it makes you depend on him. Apart from Jesus, you can do enough, do nothing. But when you plug into the vine and either the, I mean, you're the, you know, the branch, you plug into the vine, you can, you can do all things through Christ, right? He gives you the boldness, the courage, the strength, makes you study God's word because you want to know what it says. It makes you depend on the spirit. I think we need to make evangelism top of funnel when it comes to the discipleship process. Mm-hmm. I, I hear this a lot from parents, and but especially youth leaders. They'll say, well, I don't think my, my Christian kid is ready for evangelism yet. I'm like, okay, so they need more theology? Yes. They need more lessons? Yes. More Sunday school? Yes. More small groups? Yes. Uh, how's that worked out for the adults in your church? Are they actively sharing their faith? And usually the answer is no. So more content is not the answer. I think more mission is the answer. And along the way, when you're doing mission, you'll get that content. You'll learn apologetics. You'll go to gotquestions.org, right? I mean, this next week, I'm doing a a Dare to Share event called Lead the Cause because uh, we call the Great Commission the cause because the Great Commission just sounds like something our great-great-grandparents did, right? (laughs) Uh, We call it the cause because teens are in the causes. And guess what? We're going to have a prayer day, a care day, a share day, and a dare day. So they'll be out in the streets of Denver sharing the gospel of Christ. And we promote gotquestions.org as a place they can go to get more information because why? They're hungry for that. I've been out on mission sharing the gospel. Where do the, I got to ask these questions and they're dependent on the spirit. I think we got it all twisted. The Western mindset is very linear. 
First, we start with 101, then 201, then 301, then 401. The 401 is usually evangelism. By then, nobody's going to the class. They've already been institutionalized. Yeah. we got to make evangelism the 101, and it'll lead, it'll accelerate the rest of the stuff. So I think, I think we got to, we got to bring it back. So you touched on it briefly. And it's something that when I've taught um, teen classes and youth co-led youth group at our church many times. And um, what importance do you place on apologetics? So teaching teenagers how to defend their faith and versus, I mean, just standard Bible knowledge and all, all that comes together in a packet, all that's necessary, but how important is apologetics and what we're trying to communicate to our teens? I think it's really important. And again, I think evangelism and apologetics should should be like siblings. They should mm-hmm. they should be working together. If you do evangelism without apologetics, you're going to have an uninformed faith. If you do apologetics without evangelism, you're just going to become a theological nerd, right? Yeah. You want to have evangelism and apologetics welded together, right? And you break I also think with this culture of Gen Z, you don't lead with apologetics generally speaking. So it's more like Acts 17 when Paul is talking to the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers uh, at the Areopagus. He doesn't lead with apologetics. He tells the gospel as a story, right? And at the end, like a love letter, and P.S., he's given proof to this by raising Jesus from the dead. He uses apologetics as the P.S. to the love letter of the gospel. And that's when some believed, some some mocked, and some said, we want to hear you again on this subject. I think we just need to reframe it. And I also think there's a, a mental stronghold, maybe a spiritual stronghold, that I have to learn all the apologetics first before I share my faith. And that yeah. is a lie. Mm-hmm. So what we, tell, what we tell teenagers is, remember this phrase, I don't know, but I'll find out. Let's keep talking. Yeah. And then you go to gotquestions.org or you know Josh McDowell, Sean McDowell, whatever. I mean, you get talk to your youth pastor, study the scriptures, get the answer, go back. Uh, because now you're continuing the conversation. So I would say, I call it street apologetics. That's how I learned my apologetics is in the streets. By getting asked questions, I had no clue and say, that's an excellent question. And go back and study and figure it out. And honestly, you did not ask me to say this, but I think gotquestions.org is so good, so simple, so ingenious to be able to just go there and find the questions to your answer. It's just such a great tool. And your, your answers are theologically solvent, but for, I was a roofer for eight years. So I call it, you make it blue collar clear, right? Yeah. You make it, you put it on the bottom shelf so anybody can understand. It's not simple. It's not simplistic, but it's simple. And I, I, you guys have done a great job at that. Thank you for the encouragement. And what you said earlier, I give the same advice to adults all the time that sometimes I don't know, but I'll find out is the best answer you can give someone. I hear so many people who they ask a question they don't know the answer to, and they get flustered and they try to hack their way through it and then giving a terrible answer. Like, no, in that sort of situation, a, I don't know, let me do some research and get back to you. And then if you actually get back to them, they're already open because, Hey, they're the ones who asked you that question and they appreciate the fact that you spent the time to dig into it. And the previous office building where you worked at, I ate way too much um, pizza from, from the pizza place that was nearby. And I got to know Bob, the manager of the store, and he kept seeing like the Got Questions logo on the, the shirt I was wearing. He started asking me about it. And then started like every week I'd go back with uh, to pick up a pizza and he'd ask me a new question. And just from doing Got Questions for nearly 20 years now, I can usually give a, at least a semi-decent answer. But every once in a while, he'd ask me one that's like, huh, 
that's a really good question. Let me get back to you. And I always got back to him and he was super appreciative of that. And I definitely know it's the same with teenagers that they, they don't like a know-it-all, especially those who clearly don't know it all. So yeah, that is a perfectly acceptable response. And oftentimes that is the best response we can give. Amen. Yeah. So we have a site for teens called um, 412teens.org. It's based on 1 Timothy 412. Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example in the faith and so forth. What are some ways that you see maybe the church as a whole tend to look down on teenagers? And what are some ways that teenagers can be considered valuable contributors to what we do in the church as the body of Christ? Well, think about it this way. Chances are most of the disciples were teenagers when they began to follow Jesus. And I heard somebody say that once, and I thought they were crazy. I was preaching at a Billy Graham School of Evangelism, and an old black pastor said, you know, Jesus was a youth leader. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Matthew 17, 24 through 27, Peter and Jesus and the disciples go into Capernaum, but only Peter and Jesus pay the temple tax. He says, go cast your line into the water and pull out a fish. It's got, you know, a a drachma tax, two two for you, two for me. What about the other disciples? There's no indication that they pay. You cross-reference that with Exodus chapter 30, verse 14. The temple tax, which is originally the tabernacle tax, was only for those 20 years old and older. So if I'm reading that right, Jesus was most likely a youth leader with one adult sponsor, Peter, right? And one really rotten kid named Judas and no budget. (laughs) And with that youth ministry, he changed the world. Mm -hmm. And it kind of explains some stuff, you know, like when when the 72 come back and he's like, oh, Lord, Father, I thank you. You revealed this stuff to little children. I mean, not old enough to go to war, uh, according to the, you know, the Old Testament, 20 years old or older, not old enough to pay taxes. But that's who God revealed himself to. So I would say if Jesus took teenagers seriously, we should probably take teenagers seriously. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, if you scroll back through some of the Great Awakenings, you know, the first Great Awakening with Whitfield and Wesley and the boys, Jonathan Edwards, who was the chief historian of the first Great Awakening, records the revival has been chiefly amongst the young. And it was Mm -hmm. primarily a student movement, a teen movement, an early 20-something movement. It was a young person's movement. And you see that with the D.L. Moody. You see that with Spurgeon and his preacher boy. I mean, you got to go throughout history. You'll see young. God loves to use young people. So I would say don't underestimate. Don't wait till they're old enough to tithe and sit on a committee. Because really, that's not, that's not the essence of the Christian life. The essence of the Christian life is mission. Let me put it another way. It's cause. So the greatest cause, we've already talked about what we do is lead the cause at Dare to Share. The greatest cause is the cause of Christ. So what if we mobilize teens to not just stop human trafficking, because they're going to they're gonna get involved with causes, but also stop soul trafficking, because the biggest trafficker in the universe is Satan has been trafficking generations to, through hell and to hell, right? Let's not just uh, feed the uh, hungry bread. Let's give them the bread of life. Let's not just give the thirsty water, but the living water. Let's not just build the homeless, a house on earth, let's build them one in heaven too. And so if we recalibrate the Christian life as the greatest cause, that's what Jesus did. What is his discipleship strategy? It was a three and a half year mission strip, separated by trainings along the way. He did his theological training usually on the road, on mission. See that fig tree? Here's why it's cursed. Boom. Here's this, you know, I mean, he would teach along the way. What if we did that with our teens? I think we could flip this thing, right? We, we all know that you were living in a post-Christian nation 
and the trajectory of the rejection of the historic Christian faith is skyrocketing. How are we going to close that gap? We've got to close the gap with people that come to Christ quicker and spread the gospel faster. That's young people. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, if anything, we need to divert some of our missions funds to mobilizing the next generation for the gospel because we're losing this nation. We've actually lost it, I think. We've, we've lost it. You know, if you, if you look at it, the, 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 this is no longer what we would say a nation that is, you know, built on, maybe it was built on Christian principles, but we strayed far, far away from that. So how do we change the, change the nation? Well, we change, you want to change the heart of Rome, you change the heart of the Romans. What does that? It's not political programs. It's not moral reformation. It's not religious education. It's gospel transformation. Thoreau said for every thousand, uh, hacking at the leaves of evil, one strikes at the root. Only the gospel strikes at the root of evil. So let's let's strike at the root of evil. That's what I have with my family. My family, the, the again, the Denver Mafia knew my uncles as the crazy brothers. <laughs> so again, when the Mafia thinks your family is dysfunctional, it's not good. What changed them was the gospel. And everything else flowed out of that. What can change this nation, what can change this world, is the gospel. The best ones to do that, teenagers, 1 billion teens worldwide. 1 billion teenagers worldwide. The largest generation wow. of teens in the history of the world. Thirty, Almost 30 million in the U.S. Well, rise up, church. Rise up, moms, dads. It's time to mobilize the next generation. Mm-hmm. A sleeping no, giant, sleeping giant in our midst. Absolutely. When I look at some of the teenagers in our church, sometimes it's, it can be a struggle. Like you're, you're looking at them and I, are they, are they paying attention or are, are they getting what I'm trying to communicate? But then you hear like next week. So what do you remember from last week? And then what well, they're almost reciting your thing. So, but what encouragement would you give to people in youth ministry, people who are seeking to minister to teens that sometimes get discouraged from maybe a lack of response or the teenagers are more interested in video games or being on their phone or, or whatever, every possible distraction from the gospel. How do you keep them motivated to continue to recognize the amazing potential in teenagers? So I'm going to give you a kind of five, our five training philosophies. I'm going to give you one story and then I'm going to give you one recommendation for mm-hmm. a resource. So the way we train teenagers at Dare to Share is why, what, how, now, wow. So why? We give them motivation, motivate them to share the gospel. What? What is the gospel? We give them gospel fluency. We actually have an acrostic that lays out the gospel. We have memorized. How? How do we begin the conversation? You know, we train them. We have a the Life in Six Words app is a simple way to do that. Now, now let's go out and do it. And then we'll come back and share stories. That's the wow. That's the celebration. The now is the activation. The wow is the celebration. I remember, here's the story. When I was a, a middle school youth leader at Community Baptist Church in Arvada, Colorado, my first Sunday, these 21, 7th grade, 8th grade middle school kids are bored to death. I talk on evangelism. Halfway through, I go, okay, now we're going to go do it. And it's Sunday school. They're like, what? I go, we're going to go into the neighborhood. We're going to go door to door, see how we can pray for people and share the gospel. And we're going to come back and share stories. They're like, we can't do it. Sunday school, it's Sunday school. We'll get in trouble with our parents. I go, number one, I'll get in trouble with your parents. Number two, at school, you take a field trip. We're going to take a field trip. Mm-hmm. And we went out. And then I couldn't get them back in. And when we came back in, I did get in trouble. But I couldn't, I could not get them to stop talking about it. That became the reference point for the whole youth ministry. Let's go do it. So uh, Dare to Share Live is a simple and free way to activate. We also do the last Saturday of every every month 
teens, we have youth groups from around the world doing what we call Go Share Day. We just go out and we pray, we care, we share the gospel. If you go to GoShareDay.org, there's a list of ideas, different tools you can use to do it. It's not just a dare to share thing. It's anybody can do it. I go out with my teenage daughter and a group of her friends. We went out last Saturday uh, to 16th Street Mall in Denver and had pizza, prayer, and proclamation. Gave slices of pizza to homeless people and good pizza. It was from the Mellow Mushroom. <laughs> it's really good pizza. And we'd pray with them, and then we'd share the gospel with them. And they, teens need activated. So go sharedate.org, dare to share live.org. Simple way to do that. Also, as a resource, I wrote a book called Gospelize Your Youth Ministry. And Gospelize, I Z E, is the old English word for evangelize. I heard it in a Charles Spurgeon sermon. These are the, in this book, are the seven values of a gospel advancing disciple multiplying ministry is found in the book of Acts in a research project that we did. Powerful, powerful book. You can go to daretoshare.org, download it for free on our website. Um, so read the book, apply those values in your youth ministry, and uh, let's just stop being hearers of the word. Let's be doers of it. Let's go do it. And let's primarily do it with the people we, we are around all the time. Because you can make converts on the streets, but it really is hard to make disciples outside the context of a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell people that one of the weaknesses of internet ministry is the lack of follow-up, the lack of continued contact with people. You get people who come and read one of our pages that present the gospel and indicate to us a profession of faith, and we praise God for every one of those. But then most of them we never hear from again, or we don't know if they're contacting mm -hmm. us again because they didn't give us their email address the first time around. So real life contact with people you can not only evangelize but also discipleship is obviously the way god has designed it to see uh, matthew 28 19 to 20 for the cause as you describe it so greg thank you much so much for being on the show today enjoyed our conversation um, listeners i hope you found it encouraging and beneficial and again as i said earlier we'll have links to dare to share and the other resources that greg mentioned in the description field on youtube and also at podcast gotquestions.org. Greg, thank you again for being on the show. Thanks again for the opportunity. Got questions? The Bible has answers. We hope you find them. Your questions, biblical answers. The Got Questions podcast. Check us out at podcast.gotquestions.org.